Uh, we're going to be coming from the book of uh, Revelation, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, and we're going to talk about the church of Ephesus. And guys, what it's, the message is, is are you ready for him to come, basically? I mean, what we've been singing is what's on my heart and, and the Lord's heart today. And anyway, um, as I was building this, while you're looking up Revelation 2, 1 through 7, uh, this morning I just got to thinking, you know, I'd like to know some history behind the, the church because we know that the book of Ephesians is just loaded. And it's just got so much good stuff in it. And then we go to the Revelation and how Christ addressed them. And, and, and basically he rebuked them because they had lost, they had abandoned their first love. And that's why I ask you today is that we sing these songs about, you know, we're ready for Christ to come back. Yeah, come today, Lord. Are we really? And we need to be at that point to where we're ready for him to come. We desire him to come and, and just want him to be here. That's how much we should know him. And the church of Ephesus lost sight of that. And we're going to, the history shows us that. But before we get into the scripture today, I just was thinking and I thought about Acts chapter 19. When the church of, uh, of Ephesus started with 12 men and probably their wives and children out of Acts chapter 19. Um, they had been ministered to by John the Baptist and, and you guys know the story. This is one of my favorite ones that for those that don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that, that they even said that, you know, we've been saved, but, but we don't know about this Holy Spirit. And some scholars think this is as many as 19 years after uh, the, the message had went out. But some think it's 12, but, but either way, it's a long period of time that they had been saved and not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's why I love this, this chapter. But, but again, they heard the message from Paul, these 12 men, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were speaking in tongues and prophesying, Acts 19, 6 says. Then we see that, that Paul did a, a mini two year seminary, if you will. Paul, uh, he spent two years around that ear, that, that area just ministering and just pouring into the people. We also know that there's an explosion of a move of the Holy Spirit going on in that time. Another one of my favorite stories is the seven sons of, of Sceva, or a lot of people say it different, but a, but a pastor or a, excuse me, a Pharisee that had seven sons, a, a Jewish leader that had seven sons that wouldn't have known the Christ if he'd have walked in the room, tried to be the Christ. And we know the story, the demons that beat him up and ate him up and spit him out and they run away naked. But, but because of that, they saw the power of what the, they were preaching and the power of God and again, revival. And we see that Paul was just ministering and extraordinary miracles were done by the hands of Paul. I'm reading scripture there. Extraordinary miracles took place by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons, in other words, the anointing was so strong that, that they could take a napkin that Paul had touched and take it and touch somebody and they'd be healed. The anointing was just unbelievable around that area. And then I thought of the letters and Ephesians. And again, I, I wished I had so much more time to prepare today. Because we look at the book of Ephesians and all the famous things and the things that we hold on to in our faith. 
Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one can boast. And here we see later on, and we'll get into it, the Ephesians church, the church of Ephesus was caught up into works whenever Christ rebuked them. But, but anyway, created in, in Christ for good works, Ephesians uh, 2, 8, and 9. Rooted and grounded in love, Ephesians 3. And we, we hear about Ephesians 1 prayer, the Ephesians 3 prayer, about all these great uh, uh, power that was invested in the believer. You know, even the part where it says the same power that, that raised Christ from the dead right, resides in us. And they were seeing that move the Holy Ghost during that time. But again, they were rooted and grounded in love, Ephesians 3. They were bearing one another in love, Ephesians 4. They are being imitators of God and walking in love, Ephesians 5. Then we talk about loving our wives of life as Christ loved the church. And wives loving your husbands and respecting them. And then in 6, fathers don't provoke your children but bring them up and disciple them in the instruction of the Lord. And then we see the armor of God and, and just all the powerful things that we get out of Ephesians. But one of the last things Paul said was love with faith, faith, love with faith. And that was out of the book of Ephesians. And then we jump over here and we read today's text. 40 years, some 40 years later, you know, some thinks it's a little longer than that. Some thinks it's a little shorter from the Acts chapter 19 experience. But again, the church had exploded and Ephesus was growing. And then we see that Christ addresses the first church of the seven in Revelations 2, 1 through 7. And this is his words. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. And have found them false. Verse 3. I know how you are enduring patiently. And bearing up for my name's sake. And you have not grown weary. For. But I have this against you. That you have. That you have abandoned the love you had at first. Had at first. They have abandoned the love that they had for Christ at first. Remember therefore where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Verse 6. Yes, this you have. You hate the works of the... Or this, yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, <coughs> which also I hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, we thank you for the word today. Father, we thank you for your presence that's in the house. And Father, we ask that you minister. Father, that you minister to us today. Father, that, that our love is still strong for you. Father, that you have us examine ourselves, that that we love you above all things, Lord. And Father, that's what I ask today. If we don't know you, Lord, that we'd be saved. 
And Father, if we know you, Lord, that we would check our hearts and are we found loving you the same as the day we chose you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see here, the church of Ephesus had a rich history, but Jesus rebuked them for abandoning their first love. Abandoning means to cease to support or look after, in this case, their love for Christ. So here they had been here, and over a period of 40 years that of just a moving and anointing of the Holy Spirit, we see that their faith and their love for Christ had really dwindled off. They were doing some good t- things there. We see that Christ said that, man, you've got great patience and endurance. Man, you're, 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 you're standing against those that are evil. You're coming against those that are false prophets. But hey, you forgot about me. You've abandoned your first love. Jesus said some pretty strong words to the people. He said to them, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Adjectives for fallen are dead, perished, killed, slain, slaughtered, lost, departed, deceased. Man, that's a strong word that Jesus had said to them. You have fallen for whatever reason and the church had become dead. He said to them, hey, there's still hope. You can repent. And repent means express sincere regret, remorse, and turn back to Christ's love. And again, the words were so stiff with Christ that that he said, if you don't repent, then I'll remove your lampstand. And if you read Revelation 1.20, that lampstand was the church. You see that there were seven stars representing seven angels, Revelation 1.20. There were seven lampstands representing seven churches. If you don't repent, then I will pull the lampstand, the church. I believe the salvation. I believe the relationship. Because that's what a relationship is. Is when you love somebody, you join together with them. And when you don't love somebody, you divorce and separate away from them. And so he was saying, you have a chance to correct this. But what really hit me, we're doing a leadership class, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, how could the leaders of the church allow this to happen? And we're doing a leadership class on Tuesday nights, and any of you are welcome to come out. And this week, we're going to maybe address this some more, but, but, but I got some other things the Lord's put on my heart. But I want to remind you today that each and every one of us are leaders, that if you're a father in here, you're a leader. If you're a mother in here, you're a leader. If you're a sister or a brother, your, your brothers and siblings follow you. Everybody's a leader whether they want to admit it or not. But, but looking at leaders in church, you may look at me. You may look at Jim. You may look at Gary. But, but we're all leaders in a part of this body of Christ here. And so to me, what happened to the leaders? You know, what, what happened here? And from Maxwell, he said these words. The church of Ephesus provided a classic illustration of leaders who failed to practice the law of priorities. Leaders can't merely stay busy. They must stay busy with the right activities. 
They don't just do the right or things right. They do the right things. And that's the key. He went on to say the Ephesian leaders uh, kept their people busy, Revelations 2, 2 and 3, and the Lord commended them for their labor, but somehow they had left their priority, which was to love God. And that's what blows me away because of Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It's not by works. It's by faith. It's by love. It's by the relationship in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. He goes on to say their work for God have actually distracted them from God. They had busy hands, crowded calendars, full heads, but empty hearts. What does God say about the remedy for this situation? In one sentence, it is this, remember and repent. Or I will return and remove your light. This is good advice from any leader for any leader who has drifted from the priorities. I add here, if our number one priority is loving God and people, ministry will be exciting and fruitful. We'll desire to tell others about Christ. And so we see all these things, and, and I get it a lot of times that, you know, Pastor, you know, what does love look like? What, how do I love God? I don't know how to love God. And, and I preach the scripture, Matthew 22, you know, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And we know that that's what God asks, and that's all he asks of us. You know, the word says that. All I ask is that you love God with all your heart, and you love people with all your heart, soul, and mind. But pastor, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, today we saw a perfect example of that. When Caleb Cornell prioritized his life by giving it completely to Jesus. You see, that's what the church of Ephesians was doing. When the beginning, they were starting out, they were seeing the move of the Holy Spirit. And the presence of God was all around and people were getting saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit everywhere. Their priorities were in order. The things of God were in order, and they were just loving on each other and God. But the Lord really hit me Friday, and this is what still really sealed the deal. Saturday's when I started working on this part. But I went over to mom and dad's, and they were gone, but I saw laying on the table, slide number six. And, and guys, I've grown up with this. Dad grossed us kids out many a times. He's always doing this lovey-dovey stuff with my mom. Uh, this is my dad over here, by the way. Raise your hand. Some people don't know you. And that's my mom over here. Raise your hand. She won't do it. She's stubborn. That's where I get my stubbornness. But, but I go over there, and I see this in the house. And it says in there, love you. Sorry, no apple fritters, but maybe these are second best. I still love you. And, and that's, like I said, that's something that he's always done. I can remember as kids growing up, dad's always flirting with mom with these notes and stuff, letting her know how much he loves her and cares for her. And, and then that's when the Lord hit me when I was looking at that. Can't tell the church that. That's the simplicity of loving me. The simple little things of just involving me in my life and waking up in this morning, God, I love you. You're so precious. God, I need you. You're so awesome. And just involving him in the littlest of things. And so uh, I wanted to honor what the Lord had told me. 
And the quote, this is what I think the Holy Spirit said, this is a love I am looking for from you. Quote. And so the next day I went over to mom's because they had been gone and, and I walked up to her and I asked her about the letter on the table and, and, and she was telling me all about it and she got excited and, 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 and she just told me all these things and was going on and on and on. And I said, well, when did that start? And that's when slide number seven came in. And man, I opened up a can of worms because she loves him. He loves her. And, and she goes, this here is the first piece of gum that your dad ever gave me. It was given to me on September 11th, 1956. I was in the eighth grade and I kept it because I had a crush on him. And then she said, so did many other ladies. Was that anybody in here? No, I'm just kidding. Yes, but mother one. But I, I, I just, she told me that story. The very first piece of gum ever that she gave him, she kept, and that gum has not even been opened. Isn't that gross, guys? Isn't that sicko? But she's got the very first beech nut gum. I always thought it was tobacco. You know, for years I thought mom chewed tobacco and found out it was gum, you know. But, but, but I tell you, I got to say, I got to throw this in here. I did not know this. I mean, I'm sure they told me. But, but I got thinking, the first time that, that I was, was kind of dating Karen, and I moved in for the first kiss, I also got gum involved. She moved her head, and I don't know what happened, but my gum ended up in her hair. And we had to cut it out, a chunk of her hair. And the other day, she told me she kept that. And I don't know if she meant the gum or the hair. But, but again, I wasn't as romantic with that, her as my dad was, you know. Uh, he, mom gave me this big, beautiful story, and I cut Cam- Amy's hair out, you know. But I quit it. I can't help it with names sometimes. But, but anyhow, you guys always take me a different direction. But the piece of paper that you can't read to the left, and I just took a picture of the scrapbook. I didn't move it. But that little piece of paper says to your left, yeah, Larry Earl Garfield gave me this piece of gum at the fair, September 11th, 1956. Then she went in and had to tell me another story, and I'm getting grossed out even more. And this slide number eight was in 1960. They were king and queen of the Lamar FFA banquet, and, and that's the first time that they admitted to kissing. Jim, is that right? Do you know for sure? Is that truth or not? Okay, I'm just checking. I just want to make sure my family, he's back, got your back, Dad. Jim would know. <laughs> He's got something on you, in other words. <laughs> and so, uh, but she gets into all these romantic little love times, you know. And it, and it just, the Lord just kept reiterating, that's the kind of love, love I want from you. Simplicity. Just love me. Make me part of your life. Just love me. But I'm looking at this since mom received a piece of beech nut gum from dad September the 11th, 1956 to Friday, September 13th, 2019, she received daylight donuts. Their love has grown stronger for 63 years and two days. 
and they've been married 57 years. Their love didn't wax cold for each other like the Ephesians church lacked cold for Jesus. And I say to you, how do we then keep this love exciting and fresh and new? We spend time with Jesus. We get in his word, we pray, we come to church on Sunday, we get involved, we put ourselves around other people. I tell you guys time and time again, the Lord will speak to me. Ken, I know you want to do this. Come over here, I want to talk to you for a minute. And every time I do, man, it's, it's so awesome. It's so awesome. The Lord is awesome. Well, I take you a step further, my career and my romances doesn't touch dads and and I'm a gum in the hair where he can, he's another type. But, but slide nine is a letter I sent Karen. It was right after we started dating. And, and I send letters, but not like Pepe does over there. But I said, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shown. Coming up from the washing. Don't laugh, this is romantic. (laughs) Your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is so lovely. Then bleep, 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 bleep. You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one cleanse of your eyes. How much more pleasing is your love than wine? Your lip drops. Sweetness is the honeycomb. My bride, milk and honey are under your tongue. You're a garden locked up. All beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you. And then I added, you're the best, Karen. Well, if you guys didn't know, every bit of that was scripture, except you are the best, Karen. And, and even the part I bleeped out is scriptures. But the reason I did that today is how to get better acquainted with the Lord than than reading psalms and love psalms and saying, Lord, how much I love you. Lord, how much I care for you. You know, if you're like me, my son, I told you a few weeks ago, he got upset with me because he wanted me to tell him, what do you want to do, Dad? Where do you want to go? What do you want to eat? And he's in Austin. I don't get to see him. And, And I just wanted to spend time with him. And boy, he got aggravated me. And he said, Dad, what's your problem? You run a huge church. You can't even make a decision. And it just hit me. I said, Joshua, I don't care where we go or what we do. I just want to spend time with you. And it took him back. But is the Lord not the same way? More so. The Lord just wants your time and your heart. So we move into here things that could cause our love to waver. And if so, how can it get, can we get back to it? And the Lord just began to dump scriptures on this. And we've had four or six funerals, guys, in the last four weeks. And man, keep your church body in in prayer. But I use this scripture all the time. The Lord hit me with this yesterday. But come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, the Lord kept hitting me that, that work can be a distraction to your relationship with the Lord. You know, I hear it all the time, Pastor, I am so busy. You know, it kind of reminded me of what was said about the, the church in Ephesians earlier, 
that, that how that Jesus was getting after him because they were so preoccupied with work. But work sometimes, guys, it gets in the way. You see, labor means work especially hard. And then it'll say work again when you look at the definition. So hard you are heavy laden. What's the scripture said? Come to me who are the labor and are heavy laden. Laden means weighed down to the point of oppression, not feeling loved or being loved. And again, I hear it all the time. Pastor, man, I'm so busy. Man, I'm laboring. That's the way the church of Ephesus got. Their work for God had actually distracted them from God. Their head, they had busy hands, crowded calendars, full heads, but empty hearts. Well, that can be us sometimes. And this is a dangerous place to be. Have you labored so hard that you've lost your love for Christ, your first love? It's not too late. Jesus, again, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, quickly says, Oh, but take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if we're doing this, if we're working so hard, it's distracting us. If we're laboring so hard, it's pulling us away from the Lord. Then repent. Reprioritize your life and take Christ's load upon you. Guys, we don't got to work 90 hours a week. You just serve the Lord and he's going to provide. And I'm not telling you that hard work's bad. I'm a, I love work. I'm I, on vacation. Ask Karen. I'd rather take a month and work around the house than go to Silver Dollar City or on a cruise. I love to work. But don't make it a priority to where you lose your love for Christ. Two, serving others can be a distraction. And, and serving others can distract us from loving Christ. If we're not careful, we can serve our jobs, our spouses, our children, sports, hobbies, and forget our love for Christ. When they become more important than our love for Christ, we are in a dangerous place. And I'd also add to you, what are we teaching our children? In the scripture, Luke ten thirty eight, the Lord dumped this one on me. Because what Martha was doing, we would say was a good thing. But the Lord said, you are distracted by serving. We can get distracted by serving and thinking we're doing these good things. And they are good things, but if we put them ahead of our love for Christ, it's a problem. And so Luke 10, 38 through 42, Jesus says this. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up and said to the Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Get that? Anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chose the good portion 
which will not be taken away. Man, will that not preach. If we're distracted today, it will affect our relationship with the Lord. If we're affected or today, if you get into even Martha there, Martha was serving Jesus. And he's told her, you're distracted by serving. What did the, Christ, the Ephesians church get accused of? They were distracted by all their serving, by all the things that they were doing instead of loving Christ. And Jesus said, you know, it's not too late, Martha. You just repent and turn back to me. And again, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chose the good portion which will not be taken away. I say to you, what can you take to heaven? You can't take anything to heaven but your spirit. You can influence other people. I can have an influence on the Lawrences. I can have an influence on different ones in here. But I can't even take them to heaven. They got to make that choice. And so the portion that is important is our love relationship with Christ. And there's nothing more important than that. And it can't be taken away. This world can take everything, but they can't take away Jesus. And that's another reason to love him. The third thing we see here that the Lord put on my heart was out of Proverbs 23, 4. Wealth and prosperity I put together in popularity. But Proverbs says, do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. If you look up desist, it means cease to obtain. Cease and desist. If you're trying to acquire wealth, if it's become more important than Christ. Uh, Proverbs out of the NLT says it like this. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. Toil means work extremely hard or uninterrupted constantly. Quit toiling. Quit fighting. Discern. Discerning is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, what I wanted to preach today on is the, the gift of the Holy Spirit is one that I had laid out already. And that's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit's discernment. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to discern. So we just discern enough to cease and desist from tracing this world and listen to Him and follow Him above all things. And I told you three, and the board says three. But the last one the Lord put on my heart when I was preaching the first service, and I don't know if they've made a note of it or not, but, but the last one I believe we struggle with is unbelief in God. And that's why I was hammering so hard. Do you really believe what we were just singing? Are we anxious for Christ to come back? And the sermon that I've been working on and I'm wanting to preach too that was one of these five, was the Apostle Paul, the disciples were so aggressive for the kingdom because they did not fear death. They knew that absence from this body meant they were with the Lord. And I think they knew Jesus so well that they wanted to be with him more than they wanted to be in this world. 
And I didn't have time. So again, I'm studying and building a sermon, but, but correct me, guys and girls, if I'm wrong, but, but doesn't Paul say that I struggle whether I want to be here or whether I want to be the, with the Lord? You know, I'd rather be with the Lord, but I'd like to save a few more people. But, but Paul had such a grip on who Christ was, and he said, well, he saw the Christ. Well, guys, you can see Christ every day in your life if you look for him. The disciples were the same way. I think it was so easy for them to, to go out and say the bold things without fear because they know that if their life was taken, they'd be with Christ immediately. Those people that, that I was talking to you about a couple of weeks ago when the guy that, that they put on the, the cooker and were spinning him around and cooking him because he believed in Christ and he made the joke after about 30 minutes of being baked alive, he makes the joke and he said, guys, it's time to turn me over. I'm done on this side. I mean, that's a Roman account. That's, that's proof that that happened. And I think to myself, I couldn't do that, man. I touched the hot stove the other day or more or whatever it was. Ah! You know? But they knew that if they died, they'd be with Christ. They had a relationship with Christ. So they feared nothing and, and they knew suicide wasn't in the question. So sometimes I really wonder, and I'm really reaching here, guys. But sometimes I really wonder. The Lord told me to, one time to preach to get fired. We shouldn't care what anybody thinks. Preach the word, preach to get fired. Maybe we need to preach in this world and not worry about what anybody thinks because if they do anything to us, to be absent from this body is to be with Christ. And if we really believed in who we are in Jesus Christ, nothing would stop us from saying what we believe. If we really believed in Jesus Christ and that, that friend that argues with us all the time and says, I don't want to hear your story and you're afraid of losing their friendship and all that stuff. If you really believe they're going to hell, you wouldn't care. And again, I'm not telling you to, to put a bomb around you and go into these places. I'm not saying that. I'm not telling you to be stupid for, for Christ. I'm telling you to discern and when the Holy Spirit speaks something to you, move. But that's what we saw happen to the church of Ephesus. They believed the message of Jesus Christ. Twelve men from the beginning formed a church from an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They believed in it so much that, again, handkerchiefs would be taken to people and they'd be healed. Outpouring of the Holy Spirit where Paul did a seminary for two years there, outpouring the Holy Spirit that, that people were getting saved and lives changed everywhere because people believed in what they were saying. Believers believed the message. And guys, I don't care. Man, we got a great crowd here today. But, but I still... When the Lord hired me, he said 10,000. And it wasn't 10,000. A lot of times we try to say, well, pastor, we've led that many people to Christ over the years. I think it means 10,000 people under Oakton. And a lot of people are like, we're out in the middle of nowhere. There's only 15,000 in Barton County. Well, if we truly believe the word, 
And every one of us led somebody to Christ. One person in one year, we'd go to 1,000. The next year, 2,000. The next year, 4,000. Next year, 8,000. Next year, 16,000. Just leading one person to the Lord and getting them involved. Do we really believe? Now, I've changed the. I don't know why I chased that rabbit because the key of the sermon today is, do you love the Lord? And I'm going to ask the praise team to come forward today. Do you still love the Lord or have you forgotten your first love? I think that the, the warnings he gave the seven churches pertain to us today. In the first church, Jesus warned them, you have abandoned your first love. Man, don't abandon your first love. Kay Blanchard come up the first service. She starts waving her hand, and she come over here and sat because she wanted to talk so bad. And, and, and she just wrote a prayer down for the Lord. And so I let her read it the first service, and I took a picture of it. But she said these words, I'd rather be in heaven. I'd rather be in heaven to see your shining face. I'd rather be in heaven than in this earthly place. I'd rather be in heaven with you and all your saints. So come for me, Jesus, and take me away. Come take me today. Please come take me today. This is my prayer. Kay Blanchard. Lord just gave her that lately. And she was like, Pastor, Pastor, Pastor. Do we really believe in our love for Jesus Christ? Now, if you're like me, we lose focus sometimes on loving God and winning people to Christ. And to be honest with you guys, I think, I think Oakton, I think that I've allowed us to lose focus a little bit. And we got distracted with a lot of other things. And so I repent to you as a pastor that way. But we need to get back to loving God and loving people and focus on that. But four steps that I'm going to use uh, after the service today, uh, the pastor staff has uh, went through and they've decided that they want to offer the position. And I'm not going to say the name because I think it'll take your mind away from what I'm wanting to say now because you'll be excited. But they're going to vote on it after church and it'll be a quick meeting. But, but we're going to go with this new pastor with Giselle and Embar and myself, and we're going to sit down, and I'm asking you guys to do the same thing. But we're going to look at our lives and our love for the Lord, and we're going to do, number one, reflect. We're going to think back and remember the original vision and goals that God had for us as individuals but as a church. And we're going to focus on loving Him and loving others. The second thing is we're going to repent, decide to change, and list list what we must discard and prioritize. And I think as a people, we need to do this as individuals. We all know what keeps us from the Lord. As I was speaking today, you know what, what's distracting you, what's keeping you. I may not even have mentioned it, but you know. And the Lord's saying, prioritize. You have a chance to change it. Let's pri- reprioritize and put God here and get the things out of the way that don't matter as much. And then the third thing is restore. 
begin to restore one priority at a time each week. And then four, recognize, remember that God uh, holds us accountable and he will reward our fruits, not our activity. And that's my challenge to you as a church today. And that's what I close out with here today. If you're not saved and don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, we need to get saved. And man, we'll baptize you on the spot today if you want to. But we'll be doing a baptism in two weeks. I think it's in the month, whatever the last day of the month is. We're going to be doing another baptism. But if you're here today and you're like me, man, guys, I can get caught up in work. Everything I do is the ministry. But I can get so caught up in it, I'm just wanting to love the Lord and don't have time to do it. And we got to make time. We can be doing good things, but if we're leaving the Lord behind, it's not going to do you any good at all. Remember what he told Mary, what he told Martha. So today these altars are open for us to repent and say, Lord, renew my heart with you. It's a time to come and just let the people pray with you. Uh, could I have just two altar teams, one on each side, Larry, at the end? And just two in the front, none in the back. But if you'd stand to your feet today, Lord, we've heard your words. And Lord, uh, you love us is why you share these things with us. And Father, you encourage the church of Ephesus, Lord. You love and encourage each and every one of us. Man, we got some good things going on. But Lord, you've warned us today to check our relationship with you. And Father, help us to recognize if if we've abandoned our love for you and repent and make it right. Regardless, let us examine ourselves and reprioritize to where you're number one. In Jesus' name. And Satan, we bind you and all you're trying to do to distract now. And Father, we ask that your spirit moves upon the body today. In Jesus' name.